Welcome to Every Moment His. This is a podcast where we seek to bring every aspect, every moment of our lives under the gentle authority of Jesus Christ, the King of the universe. We're glad you're here when we pray this conversation is a blessing to you. All right, Pastor Tim, uh, hello, good morning. And we are continuing with the second commandment uh, in our commandment series. But before we do that, you yeah. told me that you have a joke. Yeah. You always do. Yeah, it's, yeah. So it's, um, what do you add to oil to make it uh, boil? It's going to be brilliant, I know, but I can't think of it. It's the letter B. The letter B? Yeah. You put it at the front. <laughs> yeah, you, literally, that's what you do. Yeah. It makes it boil. Wow. <laughs> so simple, yet yeah. so profound. Yeah, you, know, you know. Thank you. That sure. just changed my day. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So um, following Luther's small catechism, yep. uh, the second commandment is you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And Pastor Tim, mm. from the catechism, can you tell me what does this mean? So Luther writes, we should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie, or deceive by his name, but call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. There you go. So we're going to see this pattern, mm -hmm. right, in Luther's explanations in particular that I think they're really useful. They always start out rooting us back into the first commandment. Mm -hmm. We should fear and love God. Yeah. Right. So mm -hmm. because we fear and love God, we're going to use his name appropriately. And there's going to be things that we avoid doing. Right. And also things that we do, do. pursue. Yeah. Do do. Yeah. You, I didn't want to say do yeah. do, but you did. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah. Um, and so it just, just as we're kind of going now, commandments two through 10, just be aware that in the explanation from Luther, it's always going to be fear and love God, do this thing and don't do this thing. But um, there's also two motivations here. Yeah. We kind of get the first use of the law and the third use of the law, or it's maybe fear, the first and, and the second, fear yeah. and love. So the fear of the law, which we all need, even the Christian needs is, hey, if you break the law, it's not going to be good. Like, don't do it. This is the punishment. This is the consequence. Uh, don't cross that boundary because it's not going to be good. Uh, but then the love we should fear and love God means that the Christians motivated by the love of God in Christ given to us by grace, received by faith, that we would say, hey, I love God, so I'm going to love him in this way. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's a really brilliant way to lay things out. Mm -hmm. I think humans typically understand things through that kind of binary, you know, avoid something, go towards something. Mm -hmm. And I think um, love, you know, the way that um, ain't the ancient world talked about love was more about what draws you forward. You mm. know, what, what motivates you, yeah, and what so, moves the bus. So that should be the God, right? God yeah. should be drawing your heart, your affections, your soul toward him so that um, you, your behavior follows suit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think it's a useful way to, to explain these things. Yeah, and... Um, and I think we need to recognize that we need these two forces in our lives as Christians, because mm. some Christians are going to be just focused on the fear. You know, they're going to mm. be like, you better do this. You better not do this. And they're weighed down by the law and they don't have any gospel. Some Christians just want to be like, all I need is a gospel. Jesus yeah. loves me. 
And like, okay, that's true, but God's love for you is also that he's going to warn you. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to show you your sin, your sickness, so that you find healing and forgiveness in Christ. And so, you know, like uh, CFW Walther, uh, first president of the LCMS, put it this way. He says, the Christian life is like walking down like um, a pathway in which there's a steep ravine or cliff on either side. Um, and you live in the fear of like, I don't want to fall over the side. And yet you have Christ who walks with you, mm. bringing you across. <laughs> mm. So there's the fear and the love there. It's like, we want to avoid breaking the commandment for ourselves and for others because it hurts us. But we also have a savior who forgives us and walks with us and brings us um, safely. Yeah. So let's talk about the, the negative aspect of this. Um, Luther, Martin Luther says we should fear and love God so that we do not mm -hmm. curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie, or deceive by his name. So the first thing we see is this is a, um, a commandment that has to do with our lips or it has to do with our mm -hmm. voices. Um, and there's maybe some surprises in Luther's explanation, you know, there is because we often think this commandment, we often say, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's a good translation. We'll talk about that more in a mm -hmm. moment. Um, but um, we often think, don't use God's name as a swear word. Don't use God's name with swear words. Don't use God's name thoughtlessly or carelessly. Don't blasphemy, you know? Right. And um, that's true. It's yeah. just not true enough because the commandment's deeper than that. Yeah, I think kind of the cursory understanding of it is like, yeah, don't use Jesus Christ as his name as a swear word. Yeah, we use it for prayer, praise, and thanks, but yeah. don't use it as a... So that's maybe yeah. the first level of understanding, but you're saying mm -hmm. there's a lot more to that iceberg. Yeah, so let me first go to the text of scripture from Exodus 20, and this is Deuteronomy 5, same wording. And then we'll go deeper into Luther's exp explanation. But in Exodus 20, where we get the commandments, he says in verse seven, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain or misuse the name of the Lord your God for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So what in the world does that mean? Well, if we look up the word vain or misuse in Hebrew, it... Um, it has this idea of, of even doing something false or something wicked or something empty. In mm -hmm. fact, um, elsewhere, when we get the Greek translation of the Hebrew, which is called the Septuagint, that word has the idea of emptiness. It's the word that's used in the Bible to talk about idolatry. And so uh, in the ancient Near Eastern world, people believe that if you knew the name of a deity, you could manipulate or conjure up that deity mm. or have power over that God okay. by, by knowing that God's name. Now in Exodus three, God reveals his sacred name, uh, to Moses. Yahweh to Moses and says, this is my name forever. The purpose of revealing the name was to reveal God's salvation and covenant and to lead God's people to use his name. And later God would say that his name was located in the temple. Mm. So, uh, this is in the book of Chronicles and also in Kings where Solomon builds the temple and he yeah. says, my name shall be there yeah. for my people. But what happened is that God's people, number one, they 
brought other gods into the temple and tried to worship those gods alongside the Lord, which is using his name in vain in an empty, fruitless way. And then second, they tried to worship God the way that other gods were worshiped. Mm. So with like prostitution and mm, fertility yeah. rituals and even child sacrifice. And so the words we hear in Exodus about, I will not hold him guiltless, that eventually happens because after many generations, the temple is destroyed. And just to bring this out a little bit further in the New Testament, here's what it says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Paul says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Paul's reminding us that just like when God's name is misused and abused in the Old Testament, the temple was eventually destroyed, hmm. that we as Christians and as the collective body of Christ, we are God's temple. And when we, who have God's name written upon us in holy baptism, when we divide the church or when we um, uh, you know, do shameful things with our bodies, you know, Paul talks about sexual immorality and pagan yeah. worship, then, then, then we're misusing God's name. And Pretty interesting. Very stern warning. Yeah. So let me just recap. Sorry, that, that was a long, well, it's that was a, lot, a, sermon it's a big there, idea, you know, like, yeah. so the idea is that whatever God puts his name on mm -hmm. is holy and should be treated as such. Yeah. In the old Testament, he put it in the temple. Mm -hmm. And so the worship of, of him should not be confused or used. His name should not be used in false worship. And mm -hmm. similarly in the new Testament, with we bear the name of God. Yeah. And so we therefore, both individually and as the church collectively, should not use our bodies or the collective people of God in an abusive way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in a way that brings uh, shame or confusion to God's name. Well, and we also want our worship to be shaped by the scriptures and we want our worship to be pure. We don't want our worship to, you know, mimic the culture. We don't want our worship to be, um, you know, mocking God, mm. treating him lightly. We want our worship to be reverent um, because God's name dwells among us. So um, now it's interesting. Luther is going to really kind of make a connection between in this, in this commandment uh, between like sorcery and yeah casting spells and cursing. And so, uh, you know, people were very superstitious in Luther's day. And I think people actually still are now. And they would try to use God's name maybe for magic or for spells, or they, people might dabble in sorcery, witchcraft. These days, I think people still are super interested in that. In fact, I remember talking to somebody a long time ago in a former place I served where husband had died and I went to do a visit of the, of uh, his widow, the wife. And she said, I went to a psychic or a medium to try yeah. to contact my, my deceased husband. And, you know, Christianity really is the end of all superstition. Hmm. Like it's a sober minded understanding of God in the universe. And we don't yeah. need to, dabble in that type of stuff, yeah. not only because it 
dishonors God's name, but because it's empty. Right? Very interesting. I mean, I, I'm actually just reading a book called Afraid, which is a, a Lutheran pastor and an exorcist who mm. wrote this book. And he went down to New Orleans to um, kind of survey the voodoo culture in mm. New Orleans, which is very much alive and well, mm-hmm. right? Um, and there's a lot of that kind of thing that happens. Like a lot of the voodoo spells um, have to do with holy water and getting priests to bless things or pastors to bless things. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they're trying to ride the coattails of Jesus or yeah. the true God and use it, twist it. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, we might be tempted to think, I think certainly I growing up, I thought, oh, it doesn't, has nothing to do with me, but these things are written for a reason. I think Luther was no yeah. fool. And I think we would be foolish to say it has nothing to do with our lives today. Well, we just need to have a conscience that is formed by God's law so that mm-hmm. we are never lured into false spiritualities, you know, whether it be Ouija boards or um, tarot, tarot cards, tarot yeah, cards, tarot I think cards, how it's yeah. pronounced. And, uh, you know, uh, just even people can get fascinated with ghosts and spirits yeah. and things like that. And yeah, or like, like you mentioned, trying to contact even the dead in Christ. Or even like crystals, like people are like yeah. putting their trust in or these things. Or manifesting, them, yeah. you know, like this, uh, for whatever reason, I find that a lot of people, a lot of young people, not all, but a lot of young people are just drifting into this kind of new age Uh, like speaking things into the universe. It'll come back to you, manifesting positive things. And I just want to be like, can you just stop that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, on what basis? Cut that out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I said Christianity is the end of all superstition. It's like we, it's a very sober minded, um, mature faith in which we know the God who created us. And we're not dealing with unreliable, shifty forces. Yeah. You know, because like, the universe isn't going to make a covenant with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The universe yeah, isn't right, going right. to redeem you from sin, death, and the devil. You know, right. so good. You know, um, so we just need to be. We need to wise up as God's people and have our feelers up for. And this is why, by the way, I'll give you another example how this might apply. <clears throat> when I was in Connecticut, I would be invited every year around Thanksgiving to do an interfaith worship service. Mm-hmm. And this would be like uh, Muslims, Jews, Mm. Christians, Unitarians, you know, those who deny the Trinity. They would all get together and have like a a worship service of thanksgiving to a generic unknown deity that we all kind of lowest common denominator God we can all agree on. Well, that's false worship. And that's why I would politely Mm. just say, you know, I can't participate in this because the only worship that my conscience allows me to participate in is one that is a hundred percent father, son, and Holy spirit. And Jesus Christ is the son of God and the world's only savior. Yeah. So I think, you know, um, one of the things about God's name is it takes us out of the generic God Mm. idea. Mm -hmm. Um, because Yahweh did stuff, you know, and when like God introduces himself in the old Testament, he's like, I'm the God of Jacob. I'm the God of Abraham. Mm-hmm. I talked to them before, or I'm the God who brought you out of Egypt. Yeah. Like I, so his name is attached to his deeds and his reputation, which equals his character. Yeah. And it specifies him from any other God. And so in the same way, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, I believe in God. 
well, do you believe that Jesus is the one true God? It's yeah. a world apart. Right? That's like when I hear, like, I'm at a baseball game and they sing God Bless America. Sure. Or when I'm at, Which like... Which one? Yeah, or people in politics talk about God. Yeah. Or when I hear, or when I see on our money and God we trust, I'm like, I don't think we're talking about the same God. Yeah, right. Because... And here's the thing is that the whole entire world is ignorant of who God is. We all know there's a God, but we're all ignorant and we're groping around in the darkness. Like we can know that God is eternal, that God is wise, like Paul says in Romans mm -hmm. 1. We can know that God is just and holy, that he has laws that are written upon our heart, that he's even our judge. What we don't know is who God is and what his purposes yeah. are for us. And it's only through revelation that we know who God is. And so God revealed his name to Moses and Israel and made a covenant with them and redeemed them. And now in John 17, Jesus says, I have made your name known to them. Mm. I've revealed your name. And so it's in Christ that we actually know who God is and what purposes he has for us. And so this is a good segue to how we use God's name. We should call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. Yeah, as opposed to drudging it through the mud or trying to use it to manipulate other people. Um, you know, an example of that would just be, I often hear people say something like, I swear to God, hmm. when they're trying to win an argument or they're trying yeah. to verify what they're saying. But this is really like, what, why you gotta bring God into this? At this point, you know, like, are your motives pure? Yeah, yeah. Like we're using it to trump up what we're saying as yeah. opposed to what Luther says, the positive use of God's name is to mm -hmm. call upon it in prayer, praise mm -hmm. and give thanks. So the correct use of God's name is to recognize him as redeemer, mm -hmm. savior. That means we're going to be recipients of his grace and those who are in need of his mercy. So we call upon it. We um, pray to him, ask for good things, ask for the good that he has promised to us, ask for faith, um, and then we praise him. We, and I think there's something really profound about praising the name of Jesus mm -hmm. because it orients other people to who he is. Like, yeah. who is this Jesus? He is, he is the one worthy of all praise and honor and glory and thanksgiving, and that helps to dispel the false reputation that maybe other people might have about Jesus. That is, he's just a, a swear word yeah. in the, in the R rated movies. He is a joke on yeah. the internet. He is a, uh, a myth. Right. So when we rightly praise Jesus's name in the name of our God, it orients people to what is actually the truth. He's the savior. He's the, the God of love. Right? This one applies in particular to us as preachers too. Well, to all Christians, because I've heard Christians say, God told me. Mm. And I'm like, okay, hold up. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Because for you to say God told you means that you're, you're saying something public about God's name. Mm. Like, I would be offended if somebody went around and said, Pastor John told me. Sure. But I didn't really say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes people just have this really kind of flippant way in which they'll say like, yeah, that God told me, well, you better be sure about that. Yeah. And so let's be careful there. And we as preachers, when we're preaching God's word from the pulpit or giving people counsel, 
this commandment, I think, lies the heaviest upon us in the sense that, like, we can't get up and and tell lies about God. This is what Luther says when he says that we should not use God's name to deceive or tell lies. Hmm. Um, and hmm. like when we preach or teach falsely, when we misrepresent God's word and his will, uh, then we're using his name in, in a vain, empty way and we'll be held accountable for that. And so, you yeah. know, um, wow, pray for your pastors, right? Yeah. That I would appreciate that prayer that you, that your pastors would always declare the excellency of God's name and never preach anything. I, I never want God mm. to say, I didn't like your sermon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of our, one of our mentors, Jeff Clater, oh, yeah. you know, he, he always Jeff. told me, uh, whenever he wrote his manuscript out for preaching, he would, he would, uh, put it on the car seat on his way to church. And he says, Lord, if there's anything in there that you don't want me to preach, just let this manuscript burn up right now. And I appreciated that because yes. it was yes. serious, but it also like, mm -hmm. um, took the pressure off a little bit, like a little bit of humor because, but it is serious. Like it's, mm -hmm. you know, um, how dare you represent God in a false way. And I think, mm -hmm. I've said this before. I think it's still true. I say things and I'm like, is that still true? Um, that the worst problem in the world is false preaching. Mm. The biggest problem that the world has it's is theological false fake news, right? Yeah, yeah. Because all the other problems are solved by the true gospel. Yeah. Ultimately. Mm -hmm. And so the false preaching, false proclamation in God's name that confuse and twist people and sever them from the hope that is the true gospel. This is the biggest problem that the world has. This is why you might, you know, if you're listening to this and you belong to a church body that like the ELCA, for example, yeah. that you would really strongly consider, well, first putting up a fight, yeah. you know, with, you know, in a godly way, but, you know, but really kind of saying to your own church body or your pastors, like we're, this is dishonoring God's name. It's using mm. his name in vain. When you're attaching his name to things that he does not approve of, that dishonors God's name and God's wrath will always fall upon that. And I think we see that in, you know, rapid decline in, you know, church numbers yeah. within these denominations. Well, and also just, just uh, desperate confusion yes. among yeah. people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it makes me think of the Old Testament prophets, you know, I think it's Micah that the people of God commanded him, do not prophesy in the name of the Lord. And he's <laughs> she like, said, shut up. <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. yeah. And Jeremiah, you know, he's like, God's word is like fire in my bones. Mm -hmm. So you, you'll be hearing from me. I ain't going to stop preaching. Yeah. But there is, there's always this contention of like, we must, whoever speaks in the name of the Lord, uh, truly, there's going to be opposition to that mm -hmm. or there's going to be rejoicing at it. So when your congregation is healthy, there's rejoicing. In yeah. It. yeah. So um, I'm going to end on this. Uh, there's a wonderful line in the Proverbs. I can't remember chapter and verse, but it was a song I used to sing at the first church I ever went to. And it's the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Mm. The righteous run into it and they are saved. And that's the point of God's name. It's the greatest treasure we have. We know who God is. We know his name. Um, and so let's run to God. Let's pray to him. 
at all times. Let's praise him. Let's give him thanks. Let's use his name as a treasure. And, and so how do you keep this commandment? Come to church and sing yeah. loud. Yeah. Um, confess the creed boldly. Uh, participate in the prayers. Say your daily prayers. Pray yeah. with your family. Uh, you're honoring and giving thanks to God. You're, um, or as we say in the, the first petition of the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be thy name. Mm -hmm. Let your name mm -hmm. be kept holy among us, yeah. which is the opposite of using it in vain. Right. Luther says, how is God's name kept holy among us? It's when we live pure lives according to yeah. God's word. And so, yeah. So yeah. honor God's name with your lips. Uh, what a privilege it is to pray, to have God's name mm -hmm. that we can call upon, that he listens uh, and then try to live a life that's holy and pleasing to God and also witnesses to the God that you serve. Amen. All right. So next time, third commandment. Third commandment. Talking about the Sabbath. The Shabbat. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope it was useful for you. If you found this particular useful, you can share this episode with friends or family. You can also subscribe to our podcast and whatever platform you're using or give us a review that really helps other people find our podcast. This is also a teaching ministry of Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska. And so if you do not have a church, we would love to welcome you into our community to build you up and to share the joy of salvation with you and the rest of the members here at Holy Cross. 